Come on, shout in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to praise him out of the appreciation that you have for him this evening. Glory to you in the highest place. Glory to you. Hallelujah. Shout out the name. Shout out the name. One more time, shout out his name. He will run to you. Somebody shout Jesus. He's all I need. He's all I need. Come on, just out of, the, out of your own heart right now. With the fruit of your lips, the Bible says, just begin to worship him. Would you do that all over the building? We magnify you and we worship you, God. Glory to you in the highest place. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. You can return to your seats. I appreciate this praise team leading us in the worship. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. We are so glad to have the Barsadis with us tonight, missionaries, Southeast Asia. Amen. Right here from the anchor, making a difference. They've been deputizing, traveling to different districts the last two months getting ready to return home tomorrow. We're going to be praying for them at the end of service. We want to be a blessing to them, don't we? Amen. Pastor Sensabal, we're so glad that you're here tonight. We appreciate our neighbor and pastor being in church with us tonight. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Brother Charles is going to have surgery tomorrow, and we are believing for a miracle in his life. And uh, who is here? Amen. But Scott, we're going to pray for him before service is over. And we know that God is a prayer answering God. I just want to say to, the, to our anchor youth, how many of you enjoyed National Youth Congress? Wasn't that something? 37,000 chaperones, ministers, and young people gathered in the America Center Dome in St. Louis Football Stadium and had church. I told somebody, they were talking about young people not wanting to go to church. I said, well, let me tell you about some young people that do want to go to church. They didn't go there for a show. They went there to worship God and hear preaching. 37,000. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. There is a generation that loves the Lord. And I'm just going to tell you, I've never seen a generation like this one so hungry for God. They really are. They really are. The book of Nehemiah. Brother Nehemiah, do you like the book of Nehemiah? Where did he go to? Amen. Where's he at when I'm picking on him? Nehemiah chapter 8. What you're reading is Nehemiah has brought restoration to Israel. The walls have been rebuilt in Jerusalem. The doors have been put up. The remnant has been been, uh, chosen and placed. They've returned to Jerusalem. 
And Nehemiah 8 verse 8 says, So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. It's been a long time since they've heard the word of God read. I'll tell you what, just be seated. Let's have Bible class for a minute and let's end up with some dancing and shouting. How about it? Yes, sir. Look at your neighbor and ask him, did you bring your dancing shoes? There's still a chattering in the building. I'm assuming everybody said yes. Praise God. We're going to worship God tonight. We are. We're going to worship God. We're going to get some old-fashioned praise and thanksgiving in this building. Can you say amen? The scripture, the scripture says that, that they opened the text, began to read, the priests began to read, and what they were doing was they were setting, they were setting things back in order. They had been under, under Babylonian captivity for 70 years, and now... They're restoring the people of God to Jerusalem. When they began to set things in order, they, they sealed the cracks in the walls. They built the walls. They put the gates in. And, and uh, it had just been a rubbish, uh, uh, desolate. The only people that were left in Jerusalem were broken down in poverty. And now they're bringing back to Jerusalem the people of God out a Babylonian captivity. He's already had to fight the naysayers. I spoke about fear a few months ago and talked about Sanballat and Tobiah and said if a fox run across the wall, it's gonna fall. How many know what I'm talking about? And uh, well, the walls are built and they built them 52 days and even the enemy said the Lord helped them do this. Can I say that we need more though than mortared walls? We've gotta have his word. There's something about the word of the Lord. Come on, how many know I'm talking about? We need the word of God. Amen. Amen. And so they begin to read the word of the Lord in verse nine says, in Nehemiah, which, which the uh, Tershatha and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, the recorder, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Why? They were reminded of his word. They were saying things like, it's been a long time. I remember when Cindy and I took a trip and we took a cruise to the Virgin Islands and I forgot my Bible in the suitcase. There was no Bible in the room and and uh, I'll never forget, it had been days since I'd been in the Word and that was a, a daily routine of mine and been in church all the time and evangelizing. I was in church almost every day of the week as an evangelist at that time in my life. And to not be near the Word was, was felt like I was dry. It was something missing. And we got off of the port and I believe it was St. Thomas we got off and I went down and I saw a church, it was about noon. The church said church at 12.15. I said, let's go in there. I'll never forget Brother Gene that when the preacher, after they played their steel drums, Jamaican style music, I'll never forget when the preacher got up there, 
open up that Bible and started reading the word. Just the mere reading of the text, tears begin to run down my face. Why? Because it's not just another book. It's, it's, it's food for my soul. Amen. This, the Bible says it's like honey to my lips. It's like honey in the honeycomb. I just want to stop here. Is there anybody in the building that's still in love with his word? How many love the word of God? There's something about the word of the Lord. Amen. It had been a long time since they had been in a setting to where the law or the word was being read. They begin to weep and they begin to cry. And he says to them, more not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then, verse 10, he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What he was saying was, I realize it's been a long time since you felt what you're feeling, but let's not weep for where we've been. Let's rejoice for where we are. I know it's been a long time since you've heard the word, but start rejoicing that you're hearing the word instead of weeping that you haven't heard the word. That's what he's saying. I realize you've been in bondage, but you're not in bondage any longer. Somebody shout, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people saying, hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink. That sounds good right now, doesn't it? To eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day, the second day, they were gathered at the conference together, the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. Watch what it says in verse 14. I realize I'm reading several verses here tonight. Sometimes we get a scattered feel, especially all you ADD people. Is that most of you? Can I read a few more verses here tonight? I really felt to read these verses. I could have skipped it for the second time, but I feel like we need to just stay in the word here a little bit tonight. And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths. In booths. You know what that means? A small shelter. Another word could be sort of like a homemade tent. That they were to dwell in booths. Everybody say booths. In the feast of the seventh month. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem saying, go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written. He said, this is the law. As important as the feast of the Passover. 
There was also in the law called, called the Feast of Booths. I want everybody to say the Feast of Booths. So the people went forth and brought them, made themselves booths, every one upon the roof of his house. They had flat roofs back in those days. And in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the streets of the water gate, and in the street of the gate of Ephraim, and all the congregation. You young people still listen to me? Are y'all with me right now? All right, stay with pastor. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of what? Everybody shout captivity. captivity. Made booths. And sat under the booths for since the days of Jeshua or Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' successor. One study says about a thousand years prior. Look what happened. Since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. The feast of booths from Joshua to now had not been kept. And there was a, there was what? Very great gladness. Now stay with me for just a minute. In Leviticus chapter 23 and verse in verse 39, if you have your Bibles there, I want us to read what it says. Leviticus 23 and verse 39. I realize I haven't given you my title yet, but I will when I finish reading the text tonight. Leviticus 23 and 39 says, Also in the 15th day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, Every year when you see the blessing that you're receiving. What did he say? Ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. Everybody shout seven days. Seven. Some of you can't even go camping for three days until you're wanting some hot shower, a refrigerator. Can I get a witness from somebody in the building? But seven days you're going to sit under that homemade tent, that homemade shelter made out of palm leaves and, and a willow tree limbs and, and for seven days he says on the first day shall be a Sabbath and on the eighth thou shall be a Sabbath and ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palms and the boughs of thick trees and willows of the brook and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God everybody shout seven days can y'all picture this with me? A small brush arbor. That's for the older folks. A homemade little uh, club that you'd build when you was a little, you know, young boy. Sticks, Finn, and his and the neighbor Braden. Every now and then, they'll say, "We just build us a fort." Go see those fort. There's all kinds of pine trees, laid limbs laid in all different directions, about that tall. One day it was pouring the rain. They was up under their fort, soaking wet. <laughs> but they were hanging out in the fort, amen. Among poison ivy as well, by the way. Here it is. It's just a homemade. It's, it's a pathetic house in reality. It's really not all that. And he said, seven days you're to sleep under there and to stay under there and be under there. Why? Ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. 
It shall be a statute. That is a law. Forever in your generations. Somebody shout forever. forever. Not just this year, but next year and the next year. Forever. And it says, it shall be a statute forever in your generation. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Seven days in the seventh month, you're to camp out under a pathetic lean-to of trees. Ye shall dwell in the booths. Everybody shout seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths. Why? Here's what I come to preach. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. It's unbelievable that only two generations followed that scripture. Some point beyond Joshua, they did not make their children get under the little pathetic lean-to and camp out for seven days. They didn't know what it was like to have to be exposed to the weather in the wilderness. And I'm gonna tell you what happened. And a generation forgot that God at one point had brought them out. It's no longer about I'm glad to be where we are. It's now I'm entitled to have more than I have. Losing appreciation of the fact that God had brought them out. Can I tell you, it's not fair to the next generation for them to have forgotten the journey that God brought us to where we are. I'd like to preach to you for the next few moments on simply the forgotten journey. If we lose our thanksgiving, if we lose our spirit of thanksgiving, we will have no appreciation for what God is doing in our life because we forgot where we come from. If we're not careful, we'll become grumblers and complainers and murmurers of everything around us. Losing our appreciation of the simple fact, I'm just glad that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If we're not careful, we'll start comparing ourselves among ourselves. Well, look how nice he's dressed and look what I'm going through right now. And look at the car they're driving and look at the car I'm driving and look at the house they live in. Look at the house I live in and forget that at one point in your life you was nothing more than a slave to sin. But God sent you a preacher and he sent you a message that brought you out of bondage. It brought you out of addiction. It brought you out of pain and suffering. Somebody shout hallelujah. I want everybody in the building to shout he brought me out. If we're not careful, we will become just contented Christians sitting on the pew that make statements like, well, I heard pastors say that story before. I think he ought to preach something new. You know, I've heard, I've heard that song about on a hill far away stood the old rugged cross. Amazing grace no longer has the umph that it used to. But when you first got saved, 
and your family was rejecting you and people were talking bad about you and your friends were saying, it won't be long, you'll be back doing what you were doing with us because you know that's just a little religious thing that you're doing for a little while. Oh, no, 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 no. You gotta remember that the journey that brought you out of sin Amen. I'm not here to fill a seat in a church building. That's not what brought me here was good music and good preaching. It wasn't the decor that brought me to this. But amen, I went to church one night and my heart wasn't right, but something got a hold of me. I was bound, I was tortured. I was a slave to sin, but God brought me out. Come on, is there anybody glad that the Lord brought you out of bondage? Somebody say amen. If we're not careful, if we don't keep the feast of booths, what I'm talking about is the spirit of thanksgiving. We'll go to church and we'll worship if the conditions are right. If it's my favorite song, if it's my favorite soloist. Oh, amen, the preacher, if it's my favorite type of preaching. If it's my favorite preacher, I'll really get behind him. Oh, yeah, if, if, if the temperature's right, if, if, if Brother Call has the sound the way I like it at so many point decibels, then, you know, at that point, I'm going to be comfortable enough to worship. Why do we get entitled to worship? Well, if it's good, if I'm comfortable, could I tell you, it's been a long time since you remembered the journey that God brought you out. I'm gonna tell you, for somebody truly thankful, they don't care if the person is all attuned, the drummer gets off beat, the preacher doesn't dot the eye across the teeth, really doesn't matter. I'm just glad that he brought me out. Somebody shout, he brought me out. You know what they should have done, Brother Bersati? They should have kept the law. But somewhere, Joshua did not hand off the value to the third generation of appreciation of being brought out. He took them into the promised land. He divided them into the parts of Canaan land with trees that have fruit, houses already built. And when they got to the promised land, It's no longer about a journey. It's about arrival. You know what people do that feel like they've arrived? They just show up. They just show up. I'm here. I've arrived. I'm blessed. Got enough money in my pocket. Things going good. Everything around me seems okay. This is what God's promised me. I've arrived. I'm here. We should never feel like we've arrived. We ought to be thankful that God has been good to each and every one of us. I'm just going to get to the point. There's some days I really don't feel like dancing. There's some days my body physically doesn't feel like shouting. But this is more than for me. I've got some little eyes in those seats over there that are looking at me wondering, does daddy value who we are? Does daddy value what God has done for us? I don't want my babies to ever think he's just doing this because he has to know I'm here because he made a way where there was no way. He brought me out. Anchor Church, we're going into a new dimension, but I'm gonna tell you where we're lacking. It's exuberant worship. 
For some of you, it's been a long time since you danced and shouted. It's been a long time for some of you men till you danced before the Lord until your shirt tail come untucked. Been a long time since you got out and said, I don't care what anybody else does. I remember when I was in a desert place. I've got more than ever thought I could have. It's been a long time since some of you got out in the aisle and said, I just want to praise you. And I'm going to tell you what happens when you lose your enthusiasm. And this becomes about ministry and position and just being in the kingdom and tenure and how much you can get. You're going to miss it. And what's going to happen is your children will never value your experience. And there's a reason that you have the book of Judges. It's because they didn't build booths. Be seated a moment. I feel like dancing right now. Come on. I feel like shouting right now. And Brother Jones, I'm convinced the book of Judges wouldn't have had to been, have been written with God putting them back in captivity, with God having to bring judgment on them because they've allowed Baal into their home, Buddha into their life. My goodness, I didn't see this coming. But if we're not careful showing appreciation for where God brought us out of, our kids will begin to dabble in other religions. Maybe it's just a religion. Maybe it's just a church. Why? Because I've never, I've never seen my dad have to, have to go through anything. I've never seen my mom ever talk about the way it used to be. All we can talk about now the painted walls and carpeted floors and weather, fair weather issues. Are y'all with me right now? All we could talk about is elitism and things, but we don't ever hear the testimonies of what it used to be like. Let me just talk to you for a minute. This thing didn't get to where it is because of one generation. I'm the third pastor in 70, 70 Seven years. Third pastor, 77 years. And Guy Smith, his precious wife, would get in a, an old vehicle down on Monroe Street. The, the, the roads weren't paved. There was mud all over the roads. And people would hang off the side of the car with muddy boots on. They would track up the floor going into that little building on Monroe Street. And they'd have an old coal furnace. They'd put the coal in there and fire it up in the wintertime to get it. And just a little store that didn't look like all that. And they had a powerful move of God. Building was small. The crowd was small. But God was still good. And they danced. And they shouted. And they wept. And they rejoiced. They were just glad to be there. They didn't always have the in-sync music. I like what Brother Gator says every now and then. They didn't have any electricity, but it was electrified. And I think in modern churches, we get electricity and we lose it, lose it being powerful. God forbid that they out-worship us in an old storefront when we've got modern buildings and modern technology.
theology and we come and just comfortable Christian no I'm not going to let that generation out worship me I'm not going back to bondage I'm not going to let my children be lost because I don't appreciate what God has done for me I'm preaching to some mom and daddies. I'm preaching to some gray-haired people in the building. But you got to understand, if it was good back then, you ought to still be worshiping the same right now. If you danced back then, you ought to be praising him the same way now. He brought me out. He brought me out. He brought me out. Look at your neighbor and say, they would not... They would not have went into bondage if they knew where they had come from. Let's just settle this right now. Let's settle some northern pride. Oh, I'm on it right now. I got a rebuking spirit on me. Well, I'm afraid that I'm not going to look very dignified. I heard somebody say one time, if some people had as much, as, as much starch in their blood as they have in their color, they'd be a diabetic. Come on. I heard another preacher say one time, if you shouted your hair down or off, you'd be better off. I, I, I'm in this right now. That we can't get so professional and so dignified because now apostolics are educated. They got nice cars, lives in nice homes, and they, 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 they have fancy vacations, and they got more money they need, and they're blessed. But when they were poor folks, that's poor folks for the educated people who didn't understand what I just said. But when they were poor, and they needed God for the bill to be paid, and they needed God for the babies to be fed, and they needed God to make a way when there was no system or economy, you know what they did? They were thankful when they came to church. And I'm going to tell you what God's going to do. He's pouring out financial blessing right now, not to make you wealthier, but to get the gospel farther. And there is a window in the economy to send missionaries to poor places where they couldn't get a job and preach the gospel. That's why God has brought wealth and economy to the United States is to propagate the gospel, not to make us more comfortable. And I tell you what God's going to do. God's going to get the attention of this country to where people actually need him again instead of demand him like they are now. Well, if God doesn't pay my bill, then I ain't come to church. If God doesn't heal my family member, then I ain't going to praise him. Uh-uh. You got to realize this world is temporary. If he doesn't heal my body, I've got a mansion on the other side. If he does it, God's going to make a way because he said he would never leave me and he would never forsake me. Go ahead, Brother Putnam. That's why we turn the lights on. We've come to magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Somebody shout hallelujah. Don't ever let your babies grow up and not know 
journey of coming out of Egypt. Because if he has to, he'll send you back into bondage and become subservient to heathens. Is that what we want in America? The God to put us back in bondage where we have to pray for the ravens to feed us? Get back the way it used to be when my grandmother, when the coal mine was on strike, she had to get on her knees and say, God, I don't have any money. I don't have any food to feed the babies. I don't have any milk for the babies. Oh, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. Wake up the next day and there's groceries, everything she needs on the front porch. The milkman shows up and says, it's already been paid for. You know what she did when she came to church? She danced. She shouted. You know why? Because she knew what it was like to be under a hut. She knew what it was like to not be fancy. She knew what it was like. God forbid some of you have to backslide and go into the world of sin and addiction to have to learn what it's like to appreciate the blood. If you've been raising this, you ought to praise him. I've never been a slave to sin. I wish somebody that was raising this would get out of your seat just for 10 seconds and say, he brought me out. He's protected me from. He's been good to me. Look what the Lord has done. Look what he brought me from. coming out or for some he'll send them back in and that's what he did to Jerusalem that's what he did to Israel he sent them back into bondage so they could appreciate him bringing them back out of bondage no booth we're in the promised land now we don't need any booths I, ain't, I, I, I don't care what the Bible says I'm not getting under no tent when I got a sealed house Seven days, that sounds ridiculous. That sounds stupid. That's old-fashioned. That's the way they did it back in the old times. But we don't have to now because God has prospered us. He wouldn't want me out there in bad weather with my babies remembering what I never experienced. And I am convinced they wouldn't have had bondage again if they'd have crawled up in those booths. And mom and daddy would say, 40 years, we were in a wilderness watching God let our clothes grow. For 40 years, we never had to change outfits because God let our clothes grow in our baby. Four-year-olds were wearing the same outfit 40 years later. They watched the sustaining power of God. But when they get to the promised land, I don't need to fast. I don't need early morning prayer meetings. I don't need to read my Bible every day. God wants me to sleep in. He wants me to get my rest. He wants me to, he, I'm in it right now. 
He wants me to be comfortable because we serve a prospering God. He's not asking you. He's not asking you to suffer for the rest of your life. He just wants you to appreciate that you don't have to suffer for the rest of your life. And take a Sunday night. Come on and take a service and say thank you for your blood. Thank you that I'm not in bondage. Thank you that I'm not in poverty. Thank you that I don't have the attack of the devil in my mind. Thank you. I know enough what I'm preaching. There's some 80-year-olds in this building that says, I wish for a minute my legs could move like they used to because I'd get out in this aisle and I'd have me a Holy Ghost fit right now. But I wish there was a young person that says, you don't have to, I'll do it for you because we wouldn't. Go ahead. I'll praise him for you, Sister Akins. I'm going to praise him for you, Sister Powell. I'll praise you because the Lord has brought us to where we are. Come on, clap your hands and shout. Clap your hands and shout. Clap your hands and shout. Come here. In the name of the Lord, I pray God you bless her for her for responding. Go ahead. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to tell you something you do not know. You don't know what it's like to be mocked as Pentecostals. I realize they're holding the standard. People don't understand that. And we still hold on to that. I realize that there's some mocking that goes on there. But when you were considered a Pentecostal in the 30s and 40s and 60s, and they called you all kinds of things. They wrote articles about you, babbling tongue talkers, mocked, ridiculed, and ostracized because you came to the truth. Now Episcopalians, Methodists, Baptists, Catholics, Pentecostals, Apostolics, people everywhere are praying in the Holy Ghost talking in tongues. They do it on, they do it on the television where everybody can watch it. It's now accepted. But if we're not careful, we forget that they praised him when they were being mocked. Young people that found God in opposing homes that would get beat if they went to church. And they went to church anyhow. And to think for a minute, I'm just gonna show up and fold my arms and not respond. I'm gonna praise him for the generations ahead of me. <laughs> Come on, God wants somebody to get out and say it's been a while, but I'm thankful that you brought us out. I'm thankful that you brought us out. 
Come on, is there any elder in the building? Are there some young parents in the building? Better get out of your seat and say, I remember when I was lost. I remember when I was in false doctrine. I remember when I was bound by the world. But tonight, I'm going to praise him because he brought me out. Go ahead and praise him in the Holy Ghost. Come on, leap for joy. Praise him in a dance. Praise him in a shout. Come on, I think you ought to do it again. Come on, I think you ought to do it again. I think you ought to shout again. Let's not let 19 seconds be our limit. Let's say, God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for where you brought us from. 